This is Boom Goddess Radio, and thank you for tuning in. This is part two of our Reality of Relocation conversation, and I'm your host, Andrea Goldmarks, with my co-hosts, Bibi Peters and Jennifer Davis-Page. And right here with us is Jesse Lauren, a semi-newbie, and our own assistant producer, Amy Peck. And we will be talking about our own stories of change of place and how that transition changed our lives. So let's get to it. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Amy, it's always a treat and a pleasure to have you because just your presence in the room makes us giggle. So let the giggling start. I'm so glad when you let me onto a microphone. (laughs) So, Jesse, how long have you been in Tucson? This time around, I've been in Tucson. I guess I landed here at the end of April. I landed here at the end of April. So today is <laughs> August 22nd, so a few months now. And so how did you, you said this time, mm. tell us a little bit of the backstory of why mm. Tucson? Um, well, I went to school at the University of Arizona. You, yay. Yes. Woo. Which mm-hmm. has gotten mentioned many times oh, as a major magnet. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. It was, and it's changed so much over the years. I graduated about 15 years ago. So um, when I came back here to visit um, during the month of December to kind of check it out, I was kind of getting sold, and, um, and I wanted to come back. So it's kind of what factored into it. Um, and the first time... Mm-hmm. You- You were 18 and got attracted to Tucson. What was that about? How did that happen? Well, I'm originally from Long Island, New York, so it's very different there. And um, I had visited a bunch of different schools on the East Coast in April. And April on the East Coast is very rainy and still cold. And when I came to Arizona, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, the skies were blue, but besides that, there's a lot of sky which is nice. And the mountains and the colors and everything felt so peaceful. And it did also seem like a good place to work and to study. You know, there didn't seem like there'd be as much distractions as there would be in a city, but you can always find distractions if you're looking for them. You can find distractions <laughs> anywhere if you're yeah, looking for exactly. them. Right. <laughs> so did it meet, but I was 18. Right. So. so did it meet your expectations at 18? Um, no. I mean, I hated it when I first actually came here. I was very depressed and I was very sad and I missed absolutely everything about back home. I was very, very far and the trip was long. But um, once I kind of adjusted a little bit, I absolutely fell in love with everything about Tucson. And it still obviously holds a very special place in my heart. There is no place like Tucson, Arizona for me. What do you mean by that? Phoenix, like, doesn't come close. You know, a lot of people bring up, like, oh, why not Phoenix? Why Tucson? And, um, you know, there's... Um, there's just a lot of reasons that I can't put my finger on. There is something a little magical, I think, about it here. Um, 
But there's also something about the people that come here. I think people that are born and raised here have a certain disposition, but people come here very intentionally. And I like to be around those types of people as well that make those types of intentional decisions. And do you find that they're immensely creative in so many different aspects? You know, like our friend Sabrina with uh, Urban Grove, the music here, the arts here, uh, performances, um, the hiking, all of it, it just seems to be part of this big magical picture that is so life enriching and growing. Yes, I definitely, definitely do. And that's, I guess, part of what I was thinking about when I said, like, intention. Like, they come here and they do these things and put, like, their real heart and soul into it, which is really wonderful because it's so... Um, the town of Tucson is small and large at the same time like that. That's right. And there's so much soul in it. Yeah, the, the mix of cultures. I mean, yeah. there's the Native American culture. Mm -hmm. There's the South American culture. Mm -hmm. And then there's the addition of all the people who, you know, come from the Midwest, mm -hmm. which as East Coasters, I really didn't have that much contact with the Midwest <laughs> as I have here. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, like, pretty amazing. And um, even though Amy was born in, not born here, but raised here, she brings a whole Midwestern education with her. Tell us, Amy. We moved here when I was very young. From? When I was uh, five, from Nebraska. And um, I still go back there every summer, but essentially I was raised here. Um and it is definitely a more, I cannot imagine, I've never um, been to the East Coast and I've never dreamt of living on the East Coast, but Maybe I can you imagine. Come with me one time. Maybe I, I can kidnap you away from all those boys that you've got <laughs> and bring you it to the It would be an interesting place to visit, but I can't like imagine. Um, I've had people from the Midwest, and when I'm saying Midwest, I'm talking farm country like. Jen, you were joking about being 10 miles from a pint of milk on our last podcast. Right, right. Well, yeah. You, how, try, far do you, how far do you have to travel in Nebraska? Well, a good 15 minutes, which, you know, like 20 miles or mm -hmm. something. And mm -hmm. then, like, the store might not be open because it's <laughs> after 6 on Sunday. <laughs> right? I mean. Um, so we have big freezers and large refrigerators. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And the closest so, Costco is how far? I thought you would ask that <laughs> yeah. question, Jennifer. In the next state, probably, <laughs> somewhere. Well, no Costco. No Costco? Well, they got one. Eventually, a couple years ago. in Lincoln, in Lincoln, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how far is Lincoln from your hometown? Well, uh, hour and a half. Oh, okay. So you have, to, hey, Andre, you have to <laughs> drive an hour and a half to get our favorite chicken on. Right, right. It's just, it's a big difference. So, like, I can't imagine. I, so I've had people from the Midwest come out and visit us here, and um, even in Tucson, where the homes are a little closer together. Mm -hmm. um, I've had them say they felt a little claustrophobic because the homes were close together. Oh, so mm -hmm. going to, you know, like a large city where you're apartment dwellers right next mm -hmm. to each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are going to hear me yelling at my kids <laughs> and like being that close together would make me a little mm -hmm. nervous. Yeah. 
On our last segment, we talked about we talked to women that have retired down here in in Tucson. Now you're a young woman, and mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about your experiences as a young person moving mm-hmm. to a city that I think were predominantly over. Are we predominantly over fifty five? I, I don't down think here? so because we have the huge University of Arizona. But they come down to get educated, and then do they stay or do there. they do they, they go become back? part of the population though, and part of the culture. Yeah. So, you know, and there's 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 people also that like workplaces because like you were saying they become part of the culture and there's people and this is I guess part of all like there's people that like want to come here now. And I'm like a big foodie and I like to do stuff like that and there's people that like work in some of these restaurants that are like popping up that are really great quality places mm-hmm. and they're kind of around in my age group which is cool. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like going to Phoenix or Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like more few and far between. Would you encourage some of your younger friends that might be back east to come down here to live? I don't think they would enjoy it. Tell us why. It's just a different, it's very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes a different type of person. That means you are a different type of person. Yeah, I mean, I like city life, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I There's parts of it that I respect and I enjoyed, but it wasn't the type of quality of life I was looking for moving forward. And the first thing you mentioned was peaceful. Yeah, it's not Mm -hmm. peaceful. I mean, you're constantly bombarded by... The noise. Everything. The noise of everything. Yeah, everything. You know, I mean, you have apartments that are, you know, they're really tall, but you can feel the subway underneath you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a baseline. I think you can get used to it, but I never really enjoyed that. And maybe part of it has to do with the fact that I did come out here at 18. Mm -hmm. And, you know, It predisposed you to the environment, at least to the physical environment, right? Yeah. And And I think that's an interesting question, really, to discuss and that is what uh does age what impact does age have on the move uh when you move at a certain age in your 50s or 60s as opposed to in your 20s or 30s what are you leaving behind and what are you gaining how long does it take to get adjusted What's the psychology? Well, actually, What's the psychology yeah. of that? You know, they talk about in in research. They talk about three to five years to develop what researchers call attachment to place. And I remember being here. So I I'm here s- seven years at this point, and I remember you know sort of being on the fence initially i was very happy to be here for many many reasons and then i started um missing new york new york and i i was really kind of on the fence for a couple of years like maybe 2 years and then all of a sudden i developed such a love for this place for the animals for the atmosphere as Jesse said, for the peace and the whole experience of creating anew. That was great for me. That was really fun because I'd lived in New York for all my life, really. And you had a lovely husband to come to when you moved here, right? Yeah, well, a new husband. That so. was a whole story. That's mm-hmm. how I wound up here, that I reconnected with a soulmate from many, many, many years ago. And so that really, you know, kind of put the squash on any ambivalence that I had. But I think that developing a love for the land 
and the appreciation for how it smells and how it feels and the and the way the seasons are very subtle yes here yes. and i love the wild animals i know we discussed that a little bit in in the past um but to be able to see something that's called a gila monster you know when i first heard of it <laughs> what the hell is a gila monster but then to really appreciate um so much of the wildlife here all around i fell in love yeah Again. But Arizona wasn't on your radar. If it had not been for your your the love of your life being here, you would not be here? Well, actually, I, I might not have been in Tucson, but I had my eye on Scottsdale. Oh, and okay. as a matter of fact, I was writing a book at the time when he and I reconnected, and I was going to rent a house in Scottsdale for a month or two until I finished my book on widowhood, which is called The Virgin Widow, by the way, available on Amazon.com. Um, <laughs> but there was something, you know, as a younger woman, when I did come to visit Arizona, that, as Jesse says, I, I came in April, and there's something about spring in the desert that's astoundingly Attractive. The colors, right? The yellows and the purples and how they kind of shift from one week or month to another. Mm. It's just so uh, consuming all around. Right. And the novelty, you know, the novelty of strange new forms, of strange new life forms, including people, particularly from the Midwest. It's a whole new life yeah. form for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you were the first <laughs> person the I met though. from Nebraska, Amy. Right? <laughs> Nebraska, per se. There are se. a lot of us here, you know, that addresses the whole issue of snowbirds, too. People who are lucky enough to kind of have one foot in both, you know, two different Spheres. areas. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jesse and I were listening to the previous podcast together. And one thing I noticed about, you know, she mentioned that even though, you know, the, the New York life, you know, you have all of these things to do and it's mm -hmm. the city life. And if I wanted a pint of milk, you'd kind of just go downstairs and right. walk That's to the right. corner. Right, right, right. So even or have though, it delivered. But, but, uh, right, know, right. Yeah, have but, it delivered. And, yeah. and <laughs> Tucson or Phoenix, you know, I mean, I like to think Tucson is still a pretty big town. Mm -hmm. Obviously, some of the other larger metropolitan areas, you know, you have all these things going on that you could possibly go do. You could go to the mm -hmm. opera. You could go to concerts. Mm -hmm. You could go to theater. You and can go sit in the park and see a show. You can go Basically. sit in the park yeah. and see a That's show. Right. Yeah. Where in, in New York, you could probably walk there. Yeah. In a larger, more spread out metropolitan area, mm -hmm. even in Tucson, like we have concerts in the park. You have to drive 30 minutes to get there. Yeah. But so as far as relocating, you know, people really need to think about, well, especially now with the whole, you know, climate awareness do I want to live mm -hmm. someplace where I can walk? Is this a pedestrian-centered community? Do I want to live in a more rural area? Because I know if I lived somewhere where I couldn't, you know, get my hands in the dirt every once in a while, mm -hmm. or there was so much concrete that I couldn't smell fresh grass every once in a while, mm -hmm. I'd probably go nuts. Yeah. So thinking about, you know, even like modes of transportation when one is thinking about relocating... Yeah. I would think that that would be a big deal for someone who was just kind of wanting to throw a pin at a map and coming think about moving. Yeah. Coming from two large cities, I was astonished that there were no buses. I, when I came down, I didn't need a bus, but there was no buses and there's no trains and there's no there was no easy way 
uh, I lived 20 miles when I moved here. I lived 20 miles from downtown Tucson. So there was no way to get Mm -hmm. back and forth unless you did have a car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what they say about the West in general. I mean, we just are missing public transportation. Now, in town, I know when I was younger and going to school here, we did have I rode the city bus to school. But it was more in the, you know, metro Tucson area. Right, right. And they're getting better. We've got the trolley. um, The The trolley now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But living more, again, living in a more suburban part of Tucson, the public transit or, you know, biking to work isn't exactly... um, possible right there are people that there are listeners in new york right now that are rolling their eyes can't imagine living in a city like like this with no transportation but uh i said in the last segment that eleven thousand people moved to tucson this yeah, year yeah that completely like i was wasn't surprised but i was surprised like i think that there's going to be bigger trends with people coming and moving out here and particularly really particularly California yes. yeah because mm-hmm. California has become so in a way unaffordable well not only as that like get if older. you go to also what Amy brought up like as far as climate their wildfires are frightening they're terrifying and you don't know where they're going to happen mm-hmm. they can happen in any suburban ish community but they can also happen in the more urban areas and you're spending that much for that property and you know, I mean, there's a lot of risk factors there. And we don't have, Arizona doesn't have any storm. I mean, we've got our monsoon seasons and such, mm-hmm. but I mean, we, there's no hur- earthquakes and there's yeah. no hurricanes or mm-hmm. tornadoes, which is mm-hmm. no. But we have disaster. dust devils. Yeah, but they're not. Whoever heard of that? Yeah, but they're not as, <laughs> they're not as prevalent as tornadoes going through the Midwest, oh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. People lose their homes and their, and their lives. And yeah. dust devils. All of your possessions and stuff like that. Yeah. And so like when you're looking to like really kind of like, build and plant down and like invest in stuff like that especially people i think like in you know they'll say like their 30s or to 40s in like my age group you know who are like late bloomers we'll say um who weren't buying homes and doing things like you guys were doing in your age group i think that they'll be looking more into places that don't have those types of risk factors as things are moving forward and the younger generations more so well, in all fairness, we do have one elephant in the room. Well, let's talk about that elephant in the room at our next break. Okay. We'll be right back. Radio, and I am here with my co-hosts, B.B. Peters, Jennifer Davis-Page, our production assistant, Amy Peck, and Jesse Lauren, our guest, who's recently migrated here from New York. And we were talking about the um, choosing places to live and the attractions and the things that might make us think more than once about a place. And we do have... 
a, um, an issue here with water. We don't have it right in the immediate right now, but I often think about that, and certainly the states who share the Colorado River uh, have been negotiating about that for years. So that's still a little bit of a long-term uncertainty. There's some argument about how long-term that is, but we've been pretty fortunate uh, here about that. But the, they're building like crazy. So you can see that 11,000 people of all ages used to be much more retirement age, but now we have young families moving in. And of course, that number is of people coming in, and there are some people that are leaving as well for you know different jobs, for different uh, reasons for leaving school, for getting married, or um, something else. So end of life issues. End of life leaving. <laughs> They've left us. <laughs> they are now gone. <laughs> yes, they are now gone. So I wanted to ask Jesse. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you pack to move? What like what do you, <laughs> what do you bring? What well, do you keep? Personal. What do you treasure? How what, do you do it? How, how do, you do you do it? it? Which time? Yes. Um, well, it is you know it is a very personal thing, and everybody does it differently. I've helped a lot of people do it. And I'm a little bit of a weirdo about how I do it. So um, I'm she color codes it. things. I do love to color code. I love bags. I love bins. Um, I love to categorize and categorize and categorize. Um, as far as like what to keep and what to toss, it, it is very difficult. I have attachments to things that some people might think are unhealthy. Um, I know I could, you know, um, but I do like I love my things. Um, but also, um, you know, I try to also think of like functionality. I would say like I got rid of like my dishes and glasses and cups and because all of that Because who needs stuff. those things? <laughs> no, yeah, because those things, because you know what? I like, like, but that's like my personal thing. I wasn't attached to those things as much because I'm like, you know, to pay for like bubble wrapping and they get so heavy and like what's the chance of them breaking? I'd rather keep like more of like, you know, the vintage clothes or, you know, silk robes and stuff like that because like, you know, those things are functional for me <laughs> or like my shoes, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I do color code and number my boxes and I have, um, a, a binder and I have copy of all the pages, you know, just in case in another file. But this way, like if I needed somebody to get, you know, a box, like a, a, if I'm looking for a pair of shoes, I can look for it in the paper B, Three, you know, or wow. S three. These are for bags. Woman S in your own yes. yes. No, I'm very organized about it, and I love micro organization. So oh. that part of it is fun, but it's you know it's difficult and it can be tedious. So yeah. how did it work for you moving that stuff? I mean, here. I drove myself where crazy. Where is where is that? Stuff? <laughs> no, my things where are still is that stuff now. <laughs> my things are still in storage um, in Jersey City right now. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to get them here um, to Tucson because it turns out movers, like cross-country movers, do spike prices during the summer. So oh, when I was no. looking, because I did do a cross-country move once from California to New York. And I was like, why is this so much more expensive right now? It didn't cost this much last time. And then I realized it happens because when people, mm -hmm. especially people with families, mm -hmm. do moves, they try to do it before the start of a school year mm -hmm. so their kids could start a new mm -hmm. school year. So, yeah, the things are still there in storage. And I miss them. 
What I about good? What about <laughs> heavy? Get them sooner. What mm-hmm. about heavy coats and boots and gloves and scarves and all that? Did I got rid of most of them, um, but the ones that were in great shape that I invested a lot in or that I really loved, I kept them because my family still lives there. Mm-hmm. So I might go and visit, mm-hmm. and it gets cold. Mm-hmm. Or if I take a trip or something like that, because those things, you know, they're functional and you know, classic styles, not like the trend stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you know, um, so I kept those, and they're in storage. <laughs> when I had, when I was packing from New York, I did have someone helping me who was ruthless, and I, I hired her to help me because she was ruthless. Because oh, ruthless, I, ruthless. Not ruthless. No, no, oh, okay, oh, okay. Ruth, okay. I'm sorry, ruthless. Okay. And we went down. We had basements in those mm-hmm. days, and we went down and we basically tossed. I was tossing. I hate to say some of the things that I was giving away to the movers, you know, cut glass Waterford crystal vase that weighed, you know, 100 pounds and various kinds of things like that. And then all the, um, and these were not fur coats that I bought new, so just in case you're an animal activist, but there was my mother's fur coat and my grandmother's fur coat and all of these things went to services for people who really, you know, needed it. But that that felt good. It felt good mm-hmm. giving away all that stuff and then coming here and the storage is not what it was living in a house with a basement and an attic. Mm-hmm. So there was really no choice. We had to make some really mm-hmm. ruthless cutthroat decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I since I've done like several different moves and some cross country, You're always going to make mistakes and throw things away that you're going to be like, you know what? I really should have kept that. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't need this stuff. Like no matter how careful you try to be, those things are always going to happen. And it happens in um, everyday life, right? You go through your closet and you say, okay, I haven't worn this for a year and a half. And then a week goes by and you're saying, oh, gosh, that top would have been perfect now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so it could be like large or small, a kitchen appliance Mm -hmm. or a top, you know. And I mean, I still regret getting rid of this small little side table. And now I see them making them and selling them places everywhere. And I'm like... I almost won't buy one because I have one just like it. But I'm like, but I really liked it. Oh, what's going to, you know. But, you know, the best you can do is just kind of like get through your move also because that's hard enough. Now, do you still have, we talked earlier about meeting new friends. Did you Mm -hmm. still have friends down here from your university days or are they all gone? They're all gone. So how is it meeting new friends and dating? How about that? um, Well, I've always kind of like, I think, had a disposition past a certain age. I used to be painfully shy. And then I kind of got over that. And so it's easy for me to talk to people and meet people like I can make a friend in line, you know, at a store Mm -hmm. as far as that's concerned. Um, I watched it happen at Starbucks. (laughs) I went to the ladies room and I came back and she had a wonderful new friend who is a barista. A barista. Uh So, um, so those things never been difficult, but also like finding the connection of like Mm -hmm. those solid real friends Mm -hmm. that can always be difficult. I think we can relate to that, you know, any point in life and not even during like a transition so that I haven't been able to cultivate really or find yet um in like that type of network but I a lot of my friends were still in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. you know I I had trouble I had a lot of difficulty doing that in New York 
And what I like about Tucson is that you can kind of click and meet people like that and have those casual friends. Um, and and then casual friends can, can lead, Yeah, and I was going to say, casual friends, like, you can kind of, like, develop that into deeper friends. And what I think also has kind of come up is that, like, I keep – I'm doing – I call it, like, the tour to Tucson. But, like, I keep moving to different locations, too. And so there's a lot about me that's a little bit distracted sometimes. Maybe so. you should join the Newcomers Club. Maybe. I yeah. mean, I am also very much still I, – I consider myself a newcomer mm-hmm. because, like, you know, I was in Casas Adobes for a while, staying with Sabrina, and then I moved down to the Sam Hughes area. So sometimes I know that it can be difficult for me to invest, especially, like, in a female friendship because I can't really be giving of myself the way I usually am mm-hmm. in that type of female friendship. Right, right now. Right now, right yeah, now. yeah. Right. But, and I'm, but I'm looking, I'm definitely courting an apartment soon. <laughs> so, and courting. So that's mm-hmm. a good word. It's one we'll, of my favorite words. We'll talk about that a little more when we come back. But um, Pamela, our dear friend, shared a lovely little way of meeting interesting men. Mm-hmm. It was uh, particularly uh, important for me uh, in my previous set life, in my earlier life, <laughs> prior to meeting my love now. And so um, she said, go to like a Western hotel or some high end place, mm-hmm. sit at the bar, bring your iPad and just type anything on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, I have your <laughs> little cocktail there. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, turn left or right. And if you see someone, just smile and wave a little bit, then go back to your typing and let mm-hmm. that be an introduction to you, perhaps to men who fly in town or uh, people that are visiting the hotel so i recommend perhaps yeah. approaching that way you know what um that it's so <laughs> interesting me. that you mentioned that but that's what i used to do not it wasn't like how i intended to meet men in new york but being in hotels was where i felt more comfortable like hotel bars is where i felt more comfortable being by myself well, let's talk about hotel bars when we come well, back from our break <laughs> thank <Okay>. you Jen. <laughs> we're going to talk about hotel bars in just a few minutes uh, stay tuned <laughs> to the Boom Goddess Bar. <laughs> uh, this is Jennifer Davis Page in the studio with my my partners and co-hosts, B.B. Peters and Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks and Amy Peck. And we're also here with um, Jesse Lauren. Our, our friend Jesse Lauren. Yeah. Finish telling us about your story. Yes. Well, I worked in um, a restaurant that was in a hotel for many years. And that's why I kind of felt comfortable because of the hospitality there. It's different than a regular bar. And the people that kind of show up in places like that are different people that show up at a regular bar. They're not kind of showing up just like pick up a girl or pick up a lady, you know. Um, so places where there are travelers and people travelers, visiting. Yeah. I mean, maybe in cities it's different because hotel bars are some of like the best bar restaurants, you know. I mean, you can have some best bar restaurants. I shouldn't say that. But um, they... 
you know, then people are kind of like sitting there and doing other stuff. Like you can mm -hmm. sit there and work mm -hmm. because they also mm -hmm. they have guests that are doing that, you know, and other people are going to those places. And here we have well. resorts, so there, it's not like a bar. Yeah. When you go to to a lot of the resorts, it's so beautiful, mm -hmm. and the bars are so spectacular, and the yeah. scenery is so spectacular. Yeah. So it's and not like just sitting sitting at on a bar stool because yeah. you can be sitting on a on a beautiful couch, yeah, you know, and have lunch or spend mm -hmm. the day. Mm -hmm. And it's so I always just felt more comfortable in those situations because also the staff there they have a great level of hospitality, but they also take care of you because there's a safety issue, you know, being a woman. They'll watch out for you. They're not sure if you're a hotel guest or not, but they'll say, like, ma'am, are you okay? Miss, are you okay? Whereas in bars, you're not looked after as right. much. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I would feel comfortable at hotel bars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not, right. not the other right. And then there's another yeah. whole way, and that's mm -hmm. uh, certainly being new to a city, is, mm -hmm. you know, going out of your way to, let's say, attend a coffee place or go mm -hmm. and take your you know, your proverbial iPad mm -hmm. or back in the day newspaper, but be there every day at 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. or 8.30. And the, you know, the local denizens tend to come at the same time on their way to work or what have you. But to become familiar yeah. to other people mm -hmm. is another way, you know, to, you know, you begin to smile at people. You begin to, you know, find, in a sense, quote unquote, friends that are not Facebook friends, but that are people that begin to look familiar and they begin yeah. to be neighbors and that's useful as well. Yeah, I think that that's very important. And have you looked at the meetup groups yet here in Tucson? Not here. Okay, there are infinite number of mm. those relative to any any interest or theme that you want to be involved in. And uh very yeah. nice. And they vary in size, you know, from maybe 10 people that meet up or maybe 20 or 30. And mm -hmm. you could do little outings and trips. Yeah. Getting entrenched I can in imagine that. that being fun. And thanks for bringing that up again, because yeah. I remember looking into them when I was back east and being like, oh, but it's, you know, it's cold and you take the train and all this. But like now that I have my driver's license again. <laughs> <laughs> Which had to be yes. gotten long Which, last. Yes, right. again, in another state, um, you know, you can get in the car and you can do like really fun things in Tucson. You know, like I've always wanted to do like welding and all that. Stuff. Right. Like you can do that here. Like, you, you know, very difficult to do in Manhattan. So yeah. we know what's yeah. on your list. Well, you know, right. like hotel bars, welding, welding, <laughs> welding. right? I mean, it's right. perfect, right? Yeah. All that's mm -hmm. really good sets, yeah. setups here. Yeah. Bibi, let's talk about uh, a little bit about you coming from mm -hmm. from Poland. Now we are all from cities here in the U.S. Tell us about the experience that you had coming into a new country. Right. So I can certainly identify uh, with the immigrants that come to this country even now at this time. Um, and I was a young child at the age of uh, 11, so I really didn't have a large say in how things were going to go. But it was uh, exciting, nevertheless. And um, it was difficult uh, to say goodbye to your classmates, you know, when you're in sixth grade, just beginning that year, and then to your teachers and to your relatives. And I'm an only child, so it was uh, my my uh, my cousins were my primary 
relatives and my friends, uh, but the excitement, the adventure of going into a new place was just just immense. Did you travel by plane? Or? We traveled by plane, and uh, we uh, boarded the plane from Warsaw, landed in uh, Long Island in Bayshore, <laughs> because we had a sponsor, our uncle and aunt, who were so generous and uh, magnanimous in sponsoring us and providing us a home for the first 30 days or so that we came. And we, you know, we were talking about packing up, right? Well, there isn't a lot of space to pack things up when you move a family of three to another place in the world. So we each, and 